This is the Happen to Your Career podcast, and it is episode 101. Man, that feels weird to say. Wow, we just got done with episode 100. Crazy. Oh. To do, and I've had a real struggle with this on, on again, off again relationship with the word no. <laughs> you know, I want to please people. Uh, when I took that job at Costco uh, back when I was promoted, I was the only, I was one of um, the very few people who had to run both those departments. So the deli and the food court. There was only about, I think, eight of us in Canada. By the time uh, I was only running one of them, I was the last man standing. So everybody else had already caved and I was the last one. I probably should have caved earlier because I basically got paid a salary for one job doing two. That's neither here nor there. But the, the point is, is that the, the now page is what I didn't say no to that job because I wanted to move up. This has happened to your career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast. This is the place where we help you figure out what it is that you should be doing. We have had guests on the show like Dan Miller in the past, author of the 48 Days to Work That You Love book and workbook. We've had people like Richie Norton, who has one of my favorite quotes and talks about how when you're in motion, it is magic. That's where the magic happens. Richie Norton's also the power of starting something stupid or the author of the power of starting something stupid. And we've also had people that are HTYCers on the show that have made amazing transitions just like you. Okay. So Let's uh, let's bring on somebody else though, who I think you're going to love, and I tell you a little bit about him. He's an author, he's a speaker, and a founder, and that that part's similar to a few other people that we've had on the show. But he's also the president of Productivityist, which is a company that actually helps you stop doing productivity and actually start being productive. Which I love that distinction. So. Uh, he does that through both online and offline channels, which is also quite fantastic. You might have heard of Lifehacker. Um, he was he was the managing editor of the Lifehack Productivity blog for a while. And he's even given a TED Talk on productivity and task management, and we'll make sure to have a link in that in the show notes. He lives in BC, British Columbia. Welcome to the show, Mike Vardy. I, same thing I mentioned before. I'm really excited to talk to you about your story, first of all, because you have, you, you've made this transition and it's, it's been over quite a few years, right? Yeah. And now you are, you're very much embedded. I would even, I'm going to even go so far to say as a thought leader in productivity. I very much think Ooh. about you that. Ooh, I know. Try that on for size. <laughs> but how on earth did this happen? Like, where did this start for you, Mike? That's that's what I'm really curious. We we got to, by the way, a little bit of backstory. We got to we got to chat and meet each other at where was it? Oh, is that podcast movement? Yep. In, yep. In Texas. 
Yes, it, where the whiskey was, the Japanese whiskey was incredibly cheap. I could, uh, that's how you met me is I was raving about, like, I'm like, Jamie, <laughs> Jamie Masters, uh, formerly known as Jamie Tardy. Yeah. Uh, we were, we were chatting. I'm like, oh, and I said, this Japanese whiskey, you got to try this. You're like, what? <laughs> it was like, like $17. I'm like, it cannot be that good. Is like $17 for a flight. And like, really? It was, I, whatever. Yeah, and it was it was phenomenal. I think I had a flight. I got ordered flights like every day that we were there, yeah. which is not. I mean, and the, for for those like or like a, anyone listening here who knows what a flight is, I mean, a flight of beer is obviously very small. Well, a flight of whiskey is also the same, right? Like very little in there, so it's not like you know we're downing like shots consistently. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really quite. I mean, Japanese whiskey is phenomenal. It was right? excellent. I was I was impressed. I was impressed with uh, how smooth it was. I, I've had Japanese whiskey whiskey once before, and it was terrible and it was a long time ago so that was what was imprinted on my brain so so thank you for that sir well i'm glad i shattered that myth and yeah and i think that yeah so for me i mean we met at podcast movement and and i mean it's been a yeah you're right it's been a long and interesting journey i mean it's been almost 10 years now for me wow uh since i started doing this uh, since i basically since i left costco um you know um i left costco in early 2006 uh i was uh I was a golden boy there. I was one of the guys on the uptick, uh, you know, working my way up. I originally am from the Toronto area, so a place called Hamilton, Ontario, which is about 45 minutes outside of uh, Toronto, Canada. Sure. And uh, I moved out west, uh, basically brought hardly anything with me just because I needed a fresh start. I was working for the Costco near Hamilton, and, and they had an opening in Vancouver. I came in opened that warehouse and then they promoted me to a job in uh in in victoria which is the capital of of british columbia and it's where i live now and it's on an island and we were talking about that you know during the preamble when we were chatting a little bit and um during my time at Costco, like I was managing two departments. So there was already some seeds there of, you know, how do I manage all this stuff? Because if you've ever been to a Costco and, you know, I mean, Washington is where like the head office is. Oh, so yeah. we, I mean, it, we, we love Costco. Yeah, exactly. So, um, the service, I was in charge of both the service deli, which is where the rotisserie chickens are made and the, uh, and the food court, which is where the hot dog and pop special is. So I had to go back and forth between those two departments multiple times per day. If you've been to the warehouse, you know, one is at one end of the warehouse and one is at the other end of the warehouse. <laughs> so I was trying to manage two different staffs, two different types of business, because really the concession business, the food court business was you know, impulse buys, people that were buying it after the fact, after they'd shopped, or they were just coming in for lunch. I mean, there are people that go to Costco that go there for the buck ninety nine hot dog, right? I they may <laughs> have been guilty of that. <laughs> and 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 then the back is more of a merchandising role. So it was more of a let's make sure we have everything done in advance so we can fill the shelves up and then we just maintain. So um it was very different types of, of businesses. So I had to be, you know, this is where back before there were apps and all that stuff. So I had a, a, a cubby day planner and I would start to plan things out. But because I had two different areas of my life, at work alone, I had to separate those. So that's when I started to use different colors to represent things. I had so I had already started to structure the what what I now call you know the the, the kernels of the now year um, the now year approach, which is my productivity method, yeah. were already started there. Um, but what happened is I really uh, I'd been with Costco for a while. 
um, I had finally uh, had gotten to the point where I was only running one department, which wound up being the service deli for a while. And then it was the food court. Got sales up to a point where I only had to run one. But I wasn't feeling happy. I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And I during during my time in school, I was really into acting and comedy and stuff like that. I still actually am quite into that stuff. And so my my roommate at the time, he said, hey, you know, you got to go to this improv class with me. I'm, I'm an improv. You should come with me. You're a natural. So I did. And as soon as I did, like all those feelings from high school came back. Like it was like, that's it. Like Costco, if, if, if someone said, uh, you don't have a job at Costco anymore tomorrow, I would be like, okay, that's fine. I'm going to become an actor now. Like that's really what I'm going to do. Um, so what happened was is from that point on, I started to do more improv. I got paid to do it, which was great. I mean, it wasn't a lot, I mean, but I was getting a little bit of money. And so I thought, well, what if I dedicate more time to that? How can I grow that creative side of me? How can I, cause I mean, that was being pushed down for years and years and years, or at least it wasn't being fully expressed. Yeah. So I, I basically uh, started to manage that part of my life as well, as well as the department I was running. And then at this time, now I started to, my wife and I had met, so we were starting to date. And I was trying to manage all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I need to really dive deeper into this time management and productivity stuff. So I did. I bought like the Anthony Robbins Time of Your Life program. I bought, you know, I read Stephen Covey's work. I read, I, this is where I started to look at David Allen's stuff. And then all of a sudden, I realized that I was actually spending more time studying about productivity than actually applying the principles of it to maintaining. So I just added a whole other project to my life. Uh, and at that point in time, I decided to take the comedy stuff and apply it to productivity. I created a productivity parody site called Eventualism. And it was all about getting things done. Yeah. So I, I did this like Stephen Colbert-esque kind of take on productivity because there were so many sites, and there still are, that they call productivity porn. You know, like the life hackers and all that stuff, which... I mean, there's a lot of valuable stuff in there, but occasionally, because again, the way the internet works is the more page views you get, the more valuable, blah, 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 blah. Uh, there was occasionally posts that would go up there that were like, here's how to squeeze every last drop out of your toothpaste tube. They're like, use a binder clip. And I'm like, okay, come on. Like, like we're just filling up gaps now. Like, how to, how to, uh, uh, make sure that your hamburger bun doesn't get soggy anymore. Put the lettuce below the beef. And that way, I'm like, come on. Guys. Like, there were just these things that were popping up that were kind of annoying me. I'm like, I'm going to make fun of this productivity genre because people spend so much time studying it that they actually are getting time taken away from them actually applying it. So David Allen caught purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was very satirical. Problem with satire is that you have to give it 100%. You can't go half-assed with satire. If you do, it's not very good satire. So I ended up, uh, I was doing it. David Allen noticed it. We were doing, I interviewed, that was the first time I got to interview David Allen was for my eventualism podcast as this character. And it went over really well. I interviewed Seth Godin as well. And I thought that one bombed, but it turned out he got it as well. And it was one of my more successful early podcasts. That's when I started podcasting early on. So we were talking, we're talking probably 2007, 2008 at this point. Podcasting dinosaur. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what happened was, is that basically we got to a point where, um, I wasn't doing it as effectively. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't able to maintain that that satire, you know, and, and doing it at, at the level I would have wanted to. And David Allen's uh, company said, "Hey, do you want to write for the GTD Times? Do you want to write for our blog?" And I said, "Sure." They said, "Just don't make fun of us." 
All right. All right. Uh, They said, you're you're entertaining. You're informative. That's what we want. So I did. And then from there, it just started to snowball. All of a sudden, it was like, hey, do you want a life hack or not life hack was hiring. At that point, Work Awesome was hiring uh, and they were looking for somebody. And that was a site that was run by Envato, which is a company out of Australia. They're probably mostly known for Theme Forest and stuff like that. And so I started to write for them. And then I became the editor. And then all of a sudden, and at this point in time, by, by the time this was all happening, I had moved from being the manager at Costco of a department to the guy at the front door clicking people in and out. A guy was actually tr- strategically was moving my way out. So I went from a full-time manager position at one point running two departments to uh, I went from that immediately to part-time. So I didn't even stop at full-time. I wanted control of my hours back. I wanted control of my time. And I knew if I went to part-time, they would have to ask me to stay later as as opposed to make me stay later. So I went from like a management position. I I had a couple stops along the way for some smaller level positions. But as soon as the front door position opened up, you know, the greeter position, I was all over that. And I took it. So hold on. I want to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. Because that that thing is... (laughs) <laughs> that thing that you just described right there is way different than what most people are going to do, willing to do, et cetera, on and on and on and on. Yeah, so, they, most most people want to quit, right? Yeah, oh, most people want to quit or they want to do, uh, they don't want to go backwards, if you want to call it. And that may not actually be backwards, in my opinion. But, yeah. So what, what, what took place in there to cause you to get to that decision? Be, and how long did that take? Was that like snap decision overnight? Oh, I'm doing this. Or was that like months of, it was, how did how'd that happen? It was a longer process. It was, I mean, the way Costco worked is that you had to wait for certain positions to pop up. I mean, I had built up enough, uh, you know, I'd been with the company since 1995. So by the time I was actually out the door, I'd been there for 11 years. By the time this was going on, I'd been there about nine years. So I had plenty of uh, seniority in that building because the building I went to yeah. in Victoria was brand new. Yeah. So I had to wait and bide my time. And, and it was very like the writing was on the wall for me as a manager. I knew I wasn't giving it 100%. I knew I didn't want to be there anymore. Um, I knew that I was no longer going to move up the ladder because my performance wasn't as good because I didn't care about it as much as I used to. I'd found something else I wanted to do more. And so what happened was is I just kind of... I came to the conclusion, and this took this didn't take very long to come to this conclusion, but it took me a while to figure out how to make it work. Um, I came home one day, and uh, there was there I was having an issue with a staff person, and in, in this is when I was working in the food court area, and I was not getting any backup from management or even the external areas of the warehouse. And don't get me wrong, Costco's a fantastic company to work for; I highly endorse them. But every every company has this issue from time to time, and I just said to my wife, "Like you know, I'm." I'm yeah, I'm I'm done. And she she didn't outright give me permission to quit, but she said, you know, you really need to make a change here soon. And 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 so what I did was I went in probably about two weeks later. So I sat and thought about it a bit more. I mean, the mon- the money drop was going to be consistent, pretty significant. Um, because I knew I didn't want to go to full time. And I don't look at it as a step backwards. Like you said, I look at it as like, how do I get, how do I move forward with the thing I really want to do without throwing the baby out with the bathwater? Mm-hmm. Cause I couldn't not, I couldn't quit and have nothing coming in. Yeah. I mean, Costco paid really well. I had four weeks of paid vacation. I had bonuses that I would start to be able to accrue because I was no longer going to be a salaried employee. So as an hourly, I would get bonuses. So there was all that appealing reason to stick around. Plus I'd built up a lot of capital there. And if you've ever Read Cal, read Cal Newport's book, So Good They Can't Ignore You. Career capital is really valuable. It gives you a lot of leverage. And so I said, you know what? I went into my warehouse manager's office. No one knew I was going to do this, not even my wife. And I went in and I said, I'm stepping down and I want to go to part-time. 
And the reason I did that is I actually walked into work and uh, saw that, and I knew this was going to kind of happen, is my, my old protege, uh, who, who had now taken over the, the deli department, posted a part-time position. And as soon as I saw that, and I kind of knew this was coming, uh, I saw it, I'm like, I'm applying for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step down. So I went in, took the posting off the wall, went in my warehouse manager's office, said, I'd like to step down and I would like this position. And he's like, oh, okay. He goes, but this is part-time. <laughs> like, like he was like, he was actually really, at this point he was relieved. He's like, okay, good. We're going to get somebody in the food court that really wants to like, we're going to be able to, yeah, we're going to get somebody in there that really wants to push this thing forward. Because really at that point I was just in maintenance mode, right? Um, and so uh, he said, but wait, this is part-time. I'm like, yeah, I know. He said, you're going to go from manager to part-time. I said, yeah. And I said, because I said, I know how this all works. I've read the employee agreement. I know I'm going to retain, you know, a a large portion of my benefits. I said, but the big thing for me is I'm ready to start building up my other thing. And I want to have those additional hours that I've been using here, which is about 25 hours and use them towards this other thing. And so it's really a means to an end. And I said, if, and by the way, if if I go full time, then I have to work 40 hours and I don't want to have to work 40 hours because then I'm only gaining 10 hours back. So why wouldn't I just stay in this position where I have more control? I said, so really for me to move to part-time gives me a bit more control over where I want to go. He's like, okay. And he knew that (laughs) he's like, well, I I can't refuse him this job because um, he has like nine, eight, this is this point, this is eight and a half years seniority. And he ran the department at one point. Like he knows that thing inside and out. So, I mean, it would have been very difficult for them to not let me have that position. Exactly. And so they did. They and we did, and I said I'm going to give you a month. So I gave them plenty of transition time. I said let's give you a month and we'll train the next person. Well, you can do the posting. I said we have all this time. I said you know if if uh, if she needs help in the department, I'll send somebody from the food court back there to help her. Like I was reading, I was like basically saying this is like this is happening. So how can I make it work best for everybody? And then I went home and we, my wife and I, and she was, we just had our daughter and <laughs> she sat down and we we're having dinner and she's like, so how was work today? I'm like, oh, I quit. And she's like, what? <laughs> so I quit. I said, I didn't quit, quit. I didn't quit, quit. <laughs> I just, I just stepped down to part time. She goes, what, what, what? Um, I'm like, I said, I had to make a move. I said, you, I wasn't happy. You weren't happy. And, and, you know, later that year, she said, if you didn't make a decision, this marriage probably would have been over because you were miserable. Yeah. You're absolutely miserable. So then from there, I was in the deli for a little while. What was interesting is that one of my old management uh, uh, kind of uh, colleagues who was the other guy that was the golden boy, he is now a warehouse manager, incidentally, in Grand Prairie, Alberta, I think is the last time I heard where he was, which is like really north. Um, and he's loving it. So again, success, you know, whatever your definition of success, it looks different for everybody. But he actually came up to me while I was working in the deli and said, do you want to become a sales auditor? Now that hours were really appealing to me. They were nine to two, Monday to Friday, which uh-huh. meant, and so I did that for a little while. But then I realized I was in the same trap again, very high responsible role, you know, you know, having to be, a, it was, it was pulling me away. It was pulling me back in basically. And I didn't want that. So then, I, I, so all I did was I knew this and again, I kept it quiet to myself. This time I told my wife, cause really we're going to go to part-time. There was no way for me to go any lower than to quit. And then I saw that door greeter position pop up and I'm like, yep, that's the one I want. And I went in and said, okay, I don't want to be sales on anymore. I want to be this guy. And they're like, really? But you're really good at sales auditing. I'm like, I know, but there's other people that, that really want this job and I'm just taking their spot. And that's the way I positioned it. Honestly, if you're in a position that you don't like and you aren't fond of and that you, there are other people behind you that you know would do 
a killer job. You're doing them a disservice and yourself a disservice and your company a disservice by, you know, by staying there. And so it's almost incumbent upon you to say, how do I figure out a, an exit strategy and a responsible one, one that, so basically by the time I left, like it was funny, I'd work the front door and every day I'd probably inch a little bit closer to the actual door. So, so that at one point I'm like, let's side now, bye. Like, <laughs> and I was in that position probably for about eight months. And the, just a final note on that is the other guy that worked the door with me, his name's Ken Cucci. He's yeah. a lead singer of a band that was called the Armchair Cynics. He's now in a country, him and his wife are in a country band called Bucko and Toad, very well known in, in Canada, and they're on the uprise. They signed, they're signed to a label run by a guy named Chad Kroger, who many of you probably would know as Nickelback, but yeah. don't hold that against him. It's not the same. <laughs> um, he worked the front door, and he started with Costco at the front door. So he is a door greeter when we started there. I did not like the guy. I did not find him very uh, – uh, he wasn't a self-starter. He had no initiative. I said this is the type of person that we don't want to have here because they're not, they're not a company person. By the time I left, we were buddies because he stayed at that job so he could build his music career. Same thing I did. So he, he basically said this is the job I want so I can earn a paycheck, pay my rent, uh, or he actually owns a house. So pay my mortgage, you know, have the freedom I want to be able to do the thing I really want to do. And he's at a point now where he's still there. He still actually works the front door when he's not, you know, really? but, he, but he's got tons of leverage and, and he was smart from the get go. So by the time I left, he actually lives around the corner from me and we occasionally grab a beer together because, and he actually asked me, he goes, well, what was your exit strategy? Like we, we talked a bit about that, but he's, by the time I left, we were buddies. And when I would never have said that when we first started, cause I thought this is a guy who we, we basically hired to fill, fill a gap and we don't need people like that. But by the time I left, we, we were, we were cogs in the wheel or I was a cog in the wheel. And then, then I left and I didn't leave until I had money to replace it. And that's kind of how I did, you know, I basically built up my internet stuff to that point. And, and, uh, you know, there was a bit of a window there where I did do a little bit of part-time work. And then I went to work for the film festival here locally. But by the time I left the film festival, which is about a year after, it was about three years. So about, I think it was 2011, I think was my last year at the film festival. Um, I was working 40 hours online for and 40 hours offline so i had to make a choice and i decided no it's time and then that was it and 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 ever since then it's been great you know i mean i i know it's a long story but that's kind of the journey that i took and it's all about just being thoughtful and mindful and i think that's the kind of stuff i talk about in my work is being you know like instead of just checking off the boxes like really looking at your situation going okay how do i how do i how do I not just move forward, but move my best foot forward, like make the right decision so that you can, you can make sure that you're, you're, you know, when, when you're ready to move on or you want to move on, that you've got everything, all your ducks in a row so that it's a much easier decision to make. Well, that, that, okay. So quite frankly, you know, that's what, as we were sitting there talking, that's what caused me to want to continue talking to you and want to have you on the podcast in the first place is because you seem to be very intentional through that entire entire process. And at the same time, you were making moves that, quite frankly, many people would look either down upon or be scared to or 
I don't know. Name, name <laughs> it. There's my, a, there's my, a my, my in-laws had no idea. Like my wife, when she married me, she's like, finally, some like all the guys she dated didn't have stable jobs. She goes, finally, somebody who has a stable <laughs> job. Man. It's gonna and and fun, funnily enough, her her father who passed away a few years ago was a lawyer, and he kind of you know he basically. I mean, he went to school, college. I didn't go to college, so he obviously became a lawyer. He ran his own like he basically up and left the Toronto area to go to live in Whitehorse, Yukon, which is near Alaska, right? Yep. And he basically started a law practice there. And they, you know, from the stories I heard, like they they pinched pennies and did all that stuff during that process. And I think one of the thought processes what that that my mother in law had was okay, fun. Mike's like you know Mike's a stable guy. He's not gonna we're not gonna go through and shouldn't have to go through the hardships of building a business and all that stuff. <laughs> and sure enough, like as soon as we got basically Costco, before man. before we got married, I had stepped down to part time. So all of a sudden she's like, uh oh, like red flags. Or up until probably two years ago. Actually, yeah, it was. It was when I did Creative Live down in San Francisco. My mother-in-law had no idea, like, how does this guy make a living now? Like, what does he do? I mean, it's not uncommon. But then, you know, my wife's like, hey, yeah, so we're going to San Francisco. Mike's got, like, they're putting us up, and they're 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 driving him to the studio every day, and I'm going with them. And, and, and she's like, really? <laughs> she's like, yeah, like, and he'd be broadcast on the Internet and all that stuff. And even this, like, as we're recording this, in a couple of days I'm doing a, a an online piece for the Globe and Mail, like a live streaming thing. Globe and Mail is Canada's national newspaper. So things like that I'll send to, like, the people who don't quite get it, like my mother, who still kind of doesn't understand it. Um, like, I was in Reader's Digest Canada. Well, if there's any audience for Reader's Digest, it's like, you know, people who were around when Reader's Digest was popular <laughs> or doctors and dentists' office, you know, like, that's, so that's where I would send them like, Hey, look, I'm in Reader's Digest. Like, Oh, you must be doing well. I'm like, well, they didn't pay me for it. But the point is, is that, yeah. So, but you're right. A lot of people did look down on it. I had a lot of people that were like, you're crazy. Like why Costco, like Costco was, is such a good employer that they would go, why would you leave that job? Like, I mean, you had it, but the golden handcuffs are still handcuffs, right? Hey, if I could interrupt for just a second, I really want to share this story with you. So I want you to meet Suzanne. I'm Suzanne Waslu adams I live with my husband and our two dogs in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Now, Suzanne's been working in the same job for quite a while now. For the last 10 years, I've worked as a color lab technician. Before she found us, though, in our eight-day course, she, well, here she is. I knew I needed a change. I had some ideas about what I wanted out of a career, but I felt unfocused and couldn't bring myself to finally making a decision. Does that sound familiar at all? Because I know... I've been there. What amazed me the most about working through the course was the insight I gained about myself. Upon completing the exercises, I discovered that I needed to be producing detail-oriented, creative work that reflected who I am. Now, I thought this was pretty cool when she dropped me an email about her decision and what the course did for her. The course helped me gain clarity, and I figured out that I want to be running a business that showcases my creative spirit. Since then, I've created an action plan with steps that lead to self-employment and work that I love. Now, Suzanne wants to take her artwork that she does, and it's pretty amazing, and turn that into a business. And that is awesome for her because that's what she figured out that she wants. Now, if you want to figure out what you want, here's all you have to do. You can go ahead and go to figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. Or you can text HTYC to 38470. That's HTYC. Text it on over to 38470 and we'll get you enrolled in the course for free. 
Yeah, it's so interesting that uh, that's kind of the process that you went through too, because like uh, like your buddy, uh, I forget his name, but that worked Ken, the door, Ken, Ken yep. who worked the door. Like when you got there, you're like, I did not understand that guy. Like, why would you know? He's not. Oh, he's I, not a company man. I but. disdain for him. Yeah. I wanted him gone, and it was like one of those things where I mean, and there's, I mean, there are other people there that I'm sure do that, but there are. I mean, it's funny. The guy who was my roommate, Martin, he's he was my, one of my groomsmen at my wedding. Yeah, he is still there as a forklift driver. He had been there just a, about three months less than me, so he's been there since '96. He is a forklift driver that starts this day, I think, at two in the morning and wraps up at about eleven, and he is perfectly fine with that. He love because it's really he works there. He gets paid really well. He comes home, he takes care of his family, he goes on trips. I mean, he is a he's perfect for that role. He doesn't want to be a manager. He loves the response. He loves just driving forklift. And and again, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's just if it's not right for you, then you owe it to yourself and to those around you who might want that spot to look elsewhere or to start to plan that exit strategy so that you can be because I mean, you want to be, I mean, we don't freedom. You want to be happy, and and there. I mean, it was I was at World Domination Summit this year, and Derek Sivers, you know, um, who Sivers.org, he founded CD Baby. He said there's like really three reasons why you do anything. You do it for freedom, money, or prestige, right? That like there's one primary driving factor, and you just sure. need to figure out what it is. For me, it's always been freedom. You know, we don't make a ton of money. I was reading my buddy Sean Blanc did a post today about um, how to live and work from home, right? And how how it's a tough get. It's not easy because you, there's no one over your shoulder going, "Hey, get back to work, get back to work." But he said that uh, he had a, uh, some data in there that said most of the millionaires in in the world today are like the entrepreneurs that are millionaires don't earn more than uh, low six figures every year. But but because what they do is they just focus they they budget accordingly. Like I, we live very modestly, we live frugally. Up until this year, we rented out the basement of our house. You know, we finally were able to not do that. Um, when we travel, I Airbnb it most of the time, or ask to stay with friends. Right? Like I mean, when we were at podcast movement, I roomed with somebody. Right? Like I mean, it just makes sense. So you 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 really have to when you're making a decision like this, it can't just be knee jerk. And believe me, there were days where I was like, I just got to get out of here. Like I can't do this anymore, you know. But then one of the biggest things I did, and I continue to do to this day, is I journaled every day. At the end of the day, I would just journal, get it out of my head. Why? What prompted you to start that? Because I get questions about journaling from because because it, it. if I didn't get it out of my head, it was taking up valuable bandwidth. It was taking up the space that I needed to do the work that I really wanted to get out of my head. And that still happens to this day. If I keep everything in my head, then my brain can't do the real work. And I have this quote that I say quite a bit, your mind is meant to be a factory, not a warehouse. And in order for me to be truly intentional and pay attention to the things that really need my attention so that I can do the things I need to, like deal with the things I need to do, decide on those things that I ought to do or, you know, ought not to do, and then do more of what I want to do, I can't have have these this 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 sludge in my head that's you know providing doubt or or or, you know is making me look back and not being introspective so it's kind of like a meditative practice at the end of the day where i'm like here's how today went you know today um like you know as we're recording this it's around halloween time so i'm like today i I put up the halloween decorations my son and this year he helped more than ever before he really loves this holiday and i think next year we're gonna have to buy more halloween decorations and you know, today I had five coaching calls and man, oh man, I'm never going to have five coaching calls in a day again because they take a lot out of me. And like I would do like I when I journal, I, I let it all out. And sometimes it's like 
three lines and sometimes it's a paragraph and a half. And sometimes I speak it into, I have an app called day one on the Mac and iOS that I use, yeah. uh, but you can use Evernote or whatever you want. And I just, I, sometimes I'll say it. So I'll hit, I'll hit dictation and say my journal entry, but what it does is it just frees my mind up. And it did that, that I had to do that when I was going through the exit strategy at Costco, because if I didn't, then this, I, this, this thought in my head of, that was so loud saying, you just got to get out of here. You got to quit. You got to quit. You got to call in sick today. That's one step. I mean, at least you don't have to go into work today. I'm like, well, yeah, but if I call in sick, then we, we have less money to do the thing we really want to do. So I would, you know, journalists say I almost called in sick today, but then remembered that this or was going feel like calling in sick tomorrow because today was a bad day. But I got to remember, I've only got this many days left until I can make this move. So I think it's important to do that because. Uh, the worst thing you can do, and I see this all the time, I'm sure you do too, Scott, is the Facebook posts about this stuff. You know, like, <laughs> we, uh, I've got one guy that I know from Victoria who now lives in Seattle, and he compl- he talks about his work all the time, like how some of his coworkers are just, you know, they're, they're just incompetent and how it makes his life difficult. I'm like, you do realize that everyone sees this, <laughs> and you can't, even if you delete it, it doesn't go away. Like, it's out there. If you're journaling for the world on Facebook with your status updates, don't you think you should journal for yourself? Like, don't you think that 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 would be the place to do it initially? And then you can, and it also keeps me from airing dirty laundry. Yesterday, oh man, again, another stupid little small thing that probably would have, uh, if I, if I didn't think about this stuff, yeah. um, we have recycling that's picked up on our curb and they want every bit thing separated in the bins. And we do that, but occasionally, I mean, again, we live in the warmest part of Canada. We have homeless people that wander around at night and they grab the bottles because you get money back from the bottles that you return. And we don't, we, we always return our bottles separately. So we never have bottles in the, in the, in those bins. But one, one person decided to scavenge and they moved a bunch of stuff into the cardboard bin that were bottles and plastic. So by the time we got out the door the next morning, uh, yesterday morning, the recycling trucks had come and they put a big note on our, our bin that, that had cardboard in it with a few, I think there was maybe four bottles in it saying sort. And I was like, so pissed off. I was so mad. I'm like, we did sort. Like, how can we like, and, and, and this would have been a Facebook post for some people like eh, stupid recycling, uh, four bottles left in the cardboard. How dare you like, you know, CRD do something about this. Um, but instead I journaled about it. I said, you know, and, and by the time I journaled about it at the end of the day, I said, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. Like, okay, there's four bottles in it. Um, we just make sure that in the morning before the kids go to school that we just check to make sure that any scavengers that have gone through, we just reset it up. That's all. And, and so I'd already like <laughs> totally deflated the anger, which was completely like stupid anger, but it was, it was just frustration. Um, so that's, that's, that's a big reason. And I think if you're leaving, if you're planning on making a big change, it's important to see where you've been and where, and, and also project to where you want to go because that way you can course correct along the way. Well, here's one of the things that I'm I'm taking away from that that I haven't put together in that way before. Not not just the you know channeling the anger or the frustration or anything else, but also one of the things that I heard as you started journaling was it was sort of this uh, this constant thought through process of what is what is your why or what is your purpose like why are you hanging in there for you know through some of those I'm going to call them less than desirable times. Yep. 
And I, I don't think I've ever put it together in that way before. I, I started journaling very, very similar reasons. I had to get stuff out of my head. Um, I used to lay awake like all night, like replaying the day and the stuff yeah. I didn't do or should do or could do or the stuff I need to do tomorrow and all that stuff. So I had to do that. Um, otherwise, I just literally couldn't sleep. But uh, but I've I've never really used it in that particular way before. So that's really interesting. I like that. Well, and I think one of the things that people can do if they're struggling with it, if they're like, well, if it's too freeform, then, you know, make it not freeform. Say, okay, yeah. I want to write about the three things I'm grateful for and the three reasons I'm sticking around. Like just, or, or the one reason I'm sticking around. Like, okay, this all sucked today, but why am I still here because of this? Okay, great. That's, that's the affirmation you need, right? So anything you can do, I'm big on triggers, right? I, like in, in, my, in my now year approach, I talk about, you know, like having the different modes that you can work by. So instead of working by project all the time or by schedule, you could say, okay, well, what do I, you can actually say, what do I feel like doing right now? Okay, well, I feel like going to email. Okay, well, what are the emails? Let me look at email mode. Oh, look, here's the 30 emails I need to answer or deal with. Let me jump into email, deal with these missions first, and then deal with the questions that are sitting in my inbox. Oh, how do I feel today? I feel sick. I'm, you know, last week was a sick, I didn't feel very well all week, but I have a, a mode called the, I call it a brain dead mode. And it's like basically the tasks that don't take hardly energy, any energy for me to do. So I'll either do them late at night or early in the morning for me because I'm a night owl. But early in the morning, I'll do these like brain dead activities or when I'm sick. And so I was able to actually do a bunch of tasks last week and be fairly productive, even though I, you know, was sick because I have these modalities in place. Same thing with time-based ones. I have those as well. So if I'm like today, as before we got on the call, I told you how many different calls I had today. Oh, yeah. I will probably go by time-based mode. I'll say, okay, well, how many five-minute tasks do I have? Oh, look, I have 15 of them. Oh, let's see how many of them I can knock out right now. So having a different way to work and being thoughtful about that, I think is really important too, because it just, if you have these triggers in place, then your brain has less to think about. It can go, um, you know, I keep a notebook in every single jacket pocket I have year round. All my, like my winter jacket had a notebook in it and I'm like, oh, there it is. And it had nothing in it that wasn't already processed and it had a pen sitting in there. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm ready to go. And I never have to think about, do oh, I better grab a pen and, and paper before I leave in case I have these great ideas while I'm on the road. Um, you know, there's always a notebook and always a pen in every pocket. So I never have to think about that. When I wake up on a Monday, I theme my day. So Monday morning when I wake up, I'm like, I don't know what I have to do today yet because I haven't gone to my office yet, but I know it's a writing day. And oh, Wednesday, Wednesday is my audio and video production day. Like I know these things. So my brain doesn't have to remember the 30 things it has to do. It just remembers, oh, it's Wednesday. The overarching focus today is audio and video production. Let's see what I have to do. How so, long have you been doing that, Mike? Um, I started doing it actually again back at Costco because there were days where I knew I had to spend time in the deli working and times I had to spend in the food court working. So I can give you a great example. Um, Weekends, as you've been, if you've been to Costco before, uh, Saturdays and Sundays are a gong show in there. Yes, a truly Canadian gong show. So, <laughs> so where do you think I would be if I was if I'm running the food court and the deli? I would be in the food court because it's customer service related. I would have to be there to help process things as they were coming in. So on Thursdays and Fridays, I would spend my time in the deli making sure that there was enough product ready to go out on the shelves so that they could have enough product to put out there so I didn't have to be back there. So it was very. I started theming my days even back then. And I only came to that conclusion recently. Um, you know, I was thinking, like, when did I start doing this? Because someone else asked me this. And I thought, oh, well, only recently, like only the past couple of years I've been theming my days. But then when I look at it, I'm like, no, I've been doing it for a while. I just haven't been chronicling it or, or maybe conscious of it. Now, 
Yeah, the signs have always been there. So for me, like, and and the themes can adjust too. Like my son, uh, my son went to kindergarten. Is going to kindergarten this year, so he's just started kindergarten. And I start my year in September now because it just makes sense based on the way the kids' school cycle works. So my I take July and August are more of a maintenance month. There's no big projects. I just kind of take that time to kind of just make sure everything is going according to plan. And then September I, I jump start my year. Well, I'm like, okay, well. I used to have Wednesdays off because my son was home with me and not in daycare. And he was in daycare on Tuesdays and Fridays. And my wife was home Mondays and Thursdays. So I I would work Mondays, Tuesdays, have Wednesdays off, Thursdays, Fridays, I'd work and have Saturday off and then work a little bit on Sunday. Well, this, now that my son's in school, I'm like, oh, great, I can work Monday to Friday now. So I, I moved basically what was on Sunday to Wednesday and said, I should be good to go. Problem is, is that I've never had to work (laughs) in in six years. I haven't had to work five days in a row straight. I haven't had to. And I, and I'm like, why by, why by, and Friday was my audio video day and Wednesday was my creative day. So it was like a general creative day, which allowed me to be, you know, a little bit more flexible. And by the time Friday would roll around, I'd be like, why am I so tired? I don't feel like doing any audio or video right now. And it's not because I don't need to do it and not that I don't want to do it. It's just, I, I just feel like exhausted. It's taking a lot of energy. I'm like, wait a minute. It's because I'm working five days in a row now. So I need to move this so I can have more energy by the time when I'm doing this. So I just swapped Friday and Wednesday. So now Wednesday, and it was intentional again. Everything I do is very intentional. So the reason I swapped Wednesday and Friday is that Friday is often a day where kids have time off school, you know? professional development days. So I went up and looked at the calendar and saw that the majority of the days are Fridays. If they're not, they're Mondays. Well, who's home on Mondays? My wife. So therefore, the only day I really need to concern myself about being off work or having more availability is Friday. So I just swapped Friday and Wednesday. So now Wednesday is my audio video day and Friday is my creative day, which allows me to be a bit more creative with my schedule per se. And that's it. So, so it, it, you can tweak those. And then the nice thing is that those guide your tasks for the day. So if you're saying, okay, you know what? Monday's a writing day for me. Okay, well, what writing do I need to do? And I also have monthly themes, by the way, which is part of the Now Year approach where I, I've categorized nine of the 12 months of the year with themes. So if I'm looking at Monday, I'm like, oh, it's writing today. Okay, well, what writing tasks should I do? Well, the theme for this month is the Now Year approach. Okay, so let's look at all the Now Year approach writing I need to do. Or if I'm working on a book, what what? let's look at all the book writing stuff I need to do. And so it gives me like these waypoints that my brain doesn't have to think about it doesn't have to make that decision of, well, you could do this or you could do this. It's like, no, 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 no. Mike from like three months ago said Monday's a writing day and he six months ago said that this was the theme. So let's listen to that, Mike, because this Mike right now, all he wants to do is play Madden 16 and that's not happening. So you have to give yourself these things. And I've been doing it for a while. It's just now it's really kind of concrete. And I found that when I teach people this, that the cool thing about the now year approach is that you can take aspects of it. So you could take the monthly theming and throw out the daily theming. And that could be helpful, especially for people who don't have the flexibility that I have being my own boss. Some people can't do the monthly theming, but they do the daily theming. Some people do what I call the daily map, which is you, again, you write down your tasks by mode, by uh, you have the action. So it's mode action project schedule. So whenever you write down your actions, you assign every action a mode. Like what do you need to to and and I'll have a bonus for everybody at the end of this to, to learn a bit more about modes as well. Very good. 
So, so basically, uh, when I write down my list of things to do, it's like, okay, here are all the actions. Here, every action has a mode. Not every action has a project because not everything's a project and not everything gets scheduled because I don't want to hyper schedule myself. Some people just work by that every single day because they just want to get through today. So it's very flexible. It's very simple. It's very durable. And the other cool thing about it is you could do it on paper. You could do it in Excel. You could do it in any app you want, which is how, again, back to my Costco days, I didn't have apps. <laughs> I had a, I had a, I had a day planner at best and sometimes you know like just blank sheets of paper that I would work this this stuff out on. So I think that that again all of these things point to me having triggers and and triggers are your brain it keeps the it keeps you moving forward because you know and the routines of course that I have morning and evening routines I think are really important. In fact, uh, I don't even think evening routines get the credit they really deserve. I think they're actually Everyone talks about the morning routine. I think evening routines are more important because they set you up for the next day. I think that they're more important than the morning routine. I think the morning routine starts your day off right, but I don't think if you have the if you don't have the evening routine taken care of, which you know how you said you journal, right? And you get those thoughts out of your head. Yeah. That's part of an evening routine. Like my evening routine is very, you know, journal, write down my three absolutes for the next day on my whiteboard so as soon as I walk in I see them, shut the door. That's it. Uh, the morning routine is a lot more, has a lot more steps to it. But if I didn't have those three absolutes written down, I wouldn't know what to do the next day. So and that's an evening. You've had it built. It depends on one another. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it does for everybody. I think it does for everybody, whether they want to admit it or not. You know, I, I think that when you wrap up your day, yeah. if you wrap up your day, which is what you should do, then the next morning is that much easier to deal with. Basically the way I look at routines are, is they're like, if you've ever put a jigsaw puzzle together, they're like the edges. You always want to start there, right? Because they're the easiest thing to do. So if you have routines in place, then you've got the outline of the jigsaw puzzle done. And then you can fill the middle. You don't, I mean, that's going to take a lot more time to deal with, but it's going to be different every single time, right? If, you, if you're doing 30 jigsaw puzzles, the thing you know constantly is let's get those edge pieces in first. That's your morning routine, your evening routine. They're the edges. The middle of the day is the unknown. And if you have the edges at the beginning and the end, then it makes the day more bearable. You at least have these certainties that you know bookmark your days. And I'm very big on having as many certainties as you can so that you can deal with the uncertainties that much better. And that goes back to studying Tony Robbins and stuff too. Yeah, I'm I'm laughing because we use the jigsaw puzzle analogy for how to <laughs> how to figure out what it is that you should be doing for work. So mm -hmm. I'm a little biased. I love I love the jigsaw puzzle. I, I before we run out of time here, I wanted to ask you one other thing because I was really intrigued for a lot of different reasons about your what I'm doing now page. Yeah, and that that really seems to relate to a lot of the things that uh, that we've talked about already and kind of some of the philosophies around that. But I was I love this. So I wanted to ask you, you know, when when did you start doing this? And then also, you've got you've got five things on here, right? You know, yeah. You know, and for and it's going to evolve. It. By the way, it's going to evolve by the time people see this because yeah. so Derek Sivers again, I mentioned him. He he started this whole now movement, and it was really interesting because he he what he wants to do. And I've had a real struggle with this on on again off again relationship with the word no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to please people. Uh, when I took that job at Costco uh, back when I was promoted, I was the only I was one of. Um, the very few people who had to run both those departments, so the deli and the food court, there was only about, I think, eight of us in Canada. By the time uh, I was only running one of them, I was the last man standing. So everybody else had already caved, and I was the last one. I probably should have caved earlier because I basically got paid a salary for one job doing two. 
that's neither here nor there. But the the point is, is that the the now page is what uh, I didn't say no to that job because I wanted to move up. Right. And so the now page is kind of my way of saying, Hey, look, here's what I'm working on right now. Um, if you're asking me for this and that, this is what you're, this will tell you what you're going to get from me in terms of, okay, is this going to work? Uh, are you going to be able like, so one of the things that will probably be on there very soon is, um, I'm not taking podcast interviews for the next X number of months as a, until X. And so if people email me or they email my assistant, cause often she'll get it is she can just point them to the now page and she could say, well, or she can just look at the now page and say, Oh, Mike, Mike won't be doing interviews until January. So feel free to book anytime after that. But Mike's not doing any appointments until January. Um, you know, so I think that the now page and Derek, Derek was really, he's really, really good about this stuff. Cause he's, he, he makes it simple. And I like this idea because I can go in and, and what I'm going to do, there is so the now page won't just be for me like hey here's what's going on but i'll say here are my daily themes right now here are my monthly themes Mm -hmm. so that way it it, to be fair it's also pointing out the the benefits of the now year approach which i talk about and it kind of fits in because it's the now page um but also it kind of says okay well if i'm gonna want to talk to mike if they're paying attention they're like okay well thursday's the admin day so i'm gonna try to reach out to him on thursday because Thursday's when he does admin work. And I know I will never bother him on a Wednesday because Wednesday's when he's doing audio video. And that actually will help color my decision a little bit. You know, like, okay, yeah, thanks for being, even even if it's like, okay, I can't work with you right now, um, today, hey, you know what, let's have a coffee or let's have a conversation. Because, I mean, I really want to do more of that. And I don't want to be like the blanket no person. So I think the now page is really a valuable tool because you can basically it's it's the same reason I use schedule once for scheduling appointments, which you and I have come across, obviously. Oh yeah. Where where it's like, here are the openings. Go to this go, go to this link. I want to respect your time, not do the email dance. I'm sure you want to respect mine. Click here and find a time. And then it gets automatically approved. So I don't wind up double booking myself. I don't have to say no or yes to people. The service does it for me. So this now page basically is an extension of that. The key is just to update it. And that's an easy thing for me. I just put on on, on my, my task list, update now page. And I have that updating every month because um, months fly by now. I, 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 you know, I can't believe as we're recording this, we're in the last week of October. Like it's yeah. just crazy. It's so. So I think if if you have a lot of demands and a lot of things coming at you and you're an entrepreneur especially or yeah, here's the thing is that a lot of people think that you know um I've got more people helping me out now but that you know I've got a lot of time on my hands because I'm an entrepreneur and a lot of people think that if you're your own boss well you've got all the time in the world that is not at all true that is no way shape or if anything you have to work harder in a lot of cases because again you're the you're the driver so having this now page is kind of your own accountability your own reminder okay here's what here's what's going on right now and here's what I need to focus on so I can't be doing these other things. And it, I, I think it's helpful not just for those people that you're sending it to, but also for yourself to revisit and review so you can say, okay, look. And, and this might be the way to do it even for if for those of you who are getting started with journaling or may want to start journaling. Start with this now page. Like put on your website. And, and you're right at MikeVardy.com, which is my personal website. Like literally there's a homepage that says, here's who I am. Click here to see what I'm doing now. That's it. There's nothing else there. There's no blog, no nothing. I may have a blog up there at some point but I'll probably just have it on medium anyway. But the point is, is that, that, that is, that's there for a reason because people will say, Oh, he's focusing on, and I I can't even honestly focusing on productivityist uh, is one of them. I'm working on a Todoist book, which is another one of them. Um, you know, I'm working on some course stuff. There's lots of stuff there. Um, 
and I want to keep it fairly concise, but I also, I mean, it's an experiment and everyone that's doing it. And we've got like guys like JD Roth doing it, Patrick Rohn, Paul Jarvis. I mean, Derek Sivers is a pretty powerful influencer and it's a really smart thing to, to try. And I suggest anybody, you know, Scott, you should give it a try too. Well, I, I love it. And not, not just for me, but you know, when you're listening to this, and by the way, we'll put, we'll put up a link to Mike's now page, which, you know, is just mikevardy.com slash now, but we'll put all this stuff in the show notes so that you can go check it out, have links to it. But I love it in particular because it really causes you to focus on the stuff that matters. And I mean, that, that's really what I heard from your story again and again and again. So even though you didn't have a now page back when you were still figuring out in advance and focusing on the stuff that actually matters more than not doing it. Right. And yeah. I think that's the, that's kind of the key to getting anything done really to some degree. Yep. Absolutely. And and I think that, yeah, I mean, you, time is, is the only resource you don't get back. You've heard this time and time again, no pun intended. Like it, it, it like you need to spend it wisely. And what, what I think you need to do, and I talk about this all the time, frameworks create freedom. You know, they, they foster freedom and they create freedom. So frameworks foster freedom because what they do is they give you the capability to say no or say yes to the things like so say no and say yes. Um, they also give you the capability to, you know, understand where you're really at. And they also give you the capability to say, OK, where does this fit into the scheme? Like, I don't care what app you use. In fact, as it's funny, as we're recording this today, Sunrise, which is a very popular calendar app that was acquired by Microsoft. Microsoft just announced they're rolling it into their Outlook for iOS app. So it's it's a it's a non-starter for me now because I use Outlook. For those of you who use Outlook, congratulations, you're getting a great calendar app. But but so I came to the decision, and, and and I mean this is a hard one because I get asked a lot, like, hey, you should write a book on this, or you should do court on this app and this app. I think honestly, we're done with apps. I'm not going to write books. Or maybe we'll do some courses or do some screencasts and stuff. But I can't invest you know hours on a book when I know that like Asana. We I created a project called Do Better with Asana. And and I created it with Jeremy Roberts. And Jeremy, uh, to his credit, he I mean he he looked at his priority list and saw where he was at, and he he had to shift away from it. And I've basically taken ownership of it. But uh, but Asana went through a huge change of branding and everything. And I'm looking at this book, which is in the old branding, and uh, and I have to be honest, I'm like, do I do I do I redo this thing, or do I just let it die and offer those who bought it something in exchange, or do like what do I do? And I'm honestly, I haven't made a full decision yet, but I'm honestly leaning towards like, hey, we're discontinuing this book. Anyone who's bought this book between this date and this date, I'm going to give you a free coaching session or something like that. And again, don't hold me to that. I haven't committed to that yet. But the point is, is that you have to make like I don't want to be held hostage. And this is really what it sounds like, really how I feel. It's like if an app makes a change or an app gets acquired or whatever, I have to go in and make a change every single time. My friend Brett Kelly runs into this quite frequently with Evernote Essentials. Yeah. Right. Like every time a change gets made, you're, you're, and I mean, it's not, they don't have to care. Like the, the, the companies to their credit, they often let us know, like I knew the change to Asana was coming. I just, it's, I'm a one man operation when it comes to that. I didn't have time to react to do made their changes. I was in the middle of writing the to do book when they made their changes. I had to go back and rewrite a bunch of stuff. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to focus on the approach, not the app. I think the approach is far more important. So that's probably what's going to be on my now page. Like, I will not be reviewing apps any longer, nor will I be writing books on apps. So please, you know, don't send me any like or something like that. Like it'll be something that basic so that people go, okay, well, fine. He's not doing that anymore um, or for the foreseeable future or whatever. So I think it's important to lay like lay the, you know, draw the line in the sand and the now page definitely does that. And, and frankly, if you have the right approach in place, and the right framework, it's going to do that for you as well. 
Well, and even if it's not in a web-based format, even if it's just for you and being yeah. declarative, and even if it's not in a public way, I still think that this is really very useful principled approach. So I love that. And speaking of uh, speaking of time and how and spend it and everything that goes along between it, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. No problem. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this one because I don't get to talk about some of this stuff a lot. You know, I mean, yeah. I haven't, you know, it's funny. I've told the quote origin story a few times, yeah. but never really in that detail. So I appreciate you letting me kind of put it all out there in the, in the greatest detail. So if you've listened to that origin story, if you listen to it now and there's other people like how Mike got started, I mean, there's lots of other reasons to listen to me on other podcasts, but you've just got the full, like the unabridged origin story of how I got to productivity on, on the show today. I love it. I love it. <laughs> hey, so if people are very interested, and I bet we'll have a lot of them that are very interested in finding out more and how they can incorporate this stuff into their life, where can they, where can they go find you? Where can they, how, how can they get more Mike? Well, uh, I've set up a special page at productivityist.com. That's the word productivity, I-S-T at the end of it, dot com slash happen. Okay. And that's where people can get, uh, you just have to enter your email and stuff and I'll send you a bunch of, a bunch of cool stuff like regarding the, uh, the mode based work and, and you know, some, uh, my weekly theming stuff and you'll get a bunch of that stuff and also get you on the newsletter list too. So I'll be right up front about that. Uh, and you'll get a lot of exclusive first run content there. And if you want to just follow me on the Twitter, I'm at Mike Vardy on the Twitter and MikeVardy.com Again, it'll tell you what I'm doing right now. If you go to MikeVardy.com, it'll tell you what I'm personally doing right now, but all of my company is at productivity com slash happen and then you'll get all the stuff that you need and you, you you you'll get a lot of mike not not too much mike but a lot of mike. <laughs> just enough just enough. enough mike just enough mike <laughs> hey well thank you very much i really appreciate it thanks scott that's it i hope you loved it i also hope that you are already subscribed to the show. If you haven't already, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on whatever podcast player that you absolutely love to use, and don't use one that you don't love to use because there's a whole bunch of them out there, but I want you to go ahead and subscribe right now. That way you get the show in your sleep and you don't have to do anything else other than that and we'll show up for you every week, giving you, giving you exposure into what is going to be work you love for you. All right. We've got a great one coming up next week. I want you to take a listen right here. What's going to be on the Happen to Your Career podcast. They're working harder than the successful people in a lot of cases. So it's just not useful for people to be told they need to work hard. But if, if you look at like how much stuff you, you put out and your actual output, um, I think that's something actionable for people. Just put, put out more stuff and, and you're going to you're going to impact someone. You know, if you, if you put, put out more stuff, you're going to get in front of more people. Something's going to have an impact eventually and you can chase that one down as opposed to just going around in circles on wondering why whatever you're doing currently is not working. That's it. We'll see you next week. This is Scott Barlow and I am out. Hey, Scott. Hey, how you doing? Not too bad. Much better this week, that's for sure. Much better this week. What did you have going on last week? Uh, I was just sick. Oh, man. Yeah, I think it mostly too, was exhaustion. Huh? I think it was just mostly exhaustion. Yeah. So, yeah, just I, I was working on a, a, I'm working on a few big projects and just not not pacing myself accordingly. So. Oh, man. Yes, I have uh, been there. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's challenging with, with multiple kids and stuff like that. So, How many kids did you say you have? We only have two, but... Yes. Well, but still more than one. And it, you know, it, 
It's exponential. Yeah, me. absolutely. Absolutely. This is for your podcast this, this week, is, this time. This is for my podcast. <laughs> yeah. I I'm guess it going, really doesn't matter. but Well, <laughs> like, yes and no. Um, yeah, so I, I basically am sitting there going, is this, I'm like, I'm the guest, it looks is, like. Like, what is going on here? Yeah, I'm like, we've we've had to postpone so many times, so. Yeah, um, my plan was to, my plan is to talk about you. I'd, li- I'd perfect. like to talk about you. <laughs> yeah, because I did. talk f- about you, Mike? And then I'm on, I'm on the island, so you have to take a boat to get oh. to me. Oh. 